This is not at all related, but were you part of our Gremlins conversation last week or the week before about the rules of the Gremlins? Um, no, but I have thoughts on the rules of the Gremlins. So here's my question about the rules of the Gremlins, right? So you're not supposed to feed them after midnight. It's always after midnight. Thank you! When does midnight end? Everyone, and welcome to episode 251 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam and I'm joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. We are in August, which is ridiculous. It is a little ridiculous. It's okay. My house gets built in November, so I'm ready for... I'm actually... Normally, I'm like, life can slow down, but this... This year, I felt like I'm in a holding pattern, so I'm like, no, I can speed up just this once. Just this one year, I can speed up. Uh, I'm officially, when this goes live, I'll be getting married in less than a month. I, yeah, I know. I was just going to say, I don't know if you're going to bring it up or not, because I didn't want to like call it out for you, but I think I don't know if you tweeted or you put it on Instagram, but you were like, um, holy crap, I get married in like a month. Was- yeah, I get... You know, did you ever see that like gif of the little kid who's getting interviewed where he like starts laughing and then starts just crying? crying. <laughs> That's me whenever anyone is like, how's the wedding planning going? <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> oh, man, you might have to edit out me giggling for the next 10 minutes because that's so funny. Oh, that's perfect. That is that is me. Oh, man. With a month to go. Oh, early congrats to you guys. That's amazing. <laughs> it's library themed. Yeah, I mean, you're... You, are slash were a librarian and your husband to be also a librarian. Correct. So, correct. If it wasn't literary, <laughs> I'd be like, it's, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. One of our coworkers came up speaking of getting married. They're getting married next year, and she asked me if I could find her um, a nice like passage from a book about love. And she's like, if anyone can find it, it's one of you guys, and you're the first one I saw, Adam. So, is it the coworker that's on our team? She's not on our team. Okay. It's our coworker, Katie. It's Katie. So she's on the. Is she? Sort of, but not really. Okay. She's like a product liaison. I only ask. Oh, that Katie. Not. Okay. Never mind then. We have multiple Katie's getting married next year. (laughs) Sorry, guys. You're all like, cool. Get to the books. Uh, (laughs) So we are in August. So we're going to do our August books, um, which we'll get to in just one second how that works if you're new. But before we do any of that, if you listen to this on Thursday when it's released, if you go to biglibraryread.com, you have the opportunity to vote in our next Big Library Read. Um, voting ends on Thursday. So if you hear this Thursday, go check it out. Um, if you hear it afterwards, sorry about your luck, but we want you to help us pick some incredible titles. It's a YA slash juvenile for this next Big Library Read, which will be in October. Um, but there are some past guests that are up for the there are we're not gonna like steer you in a voting no direction, just, but yeah. you can vote for three yeah you can vote for up to three which saved me because i'll be honest i did vote and i did vote for people that i adore on the list but um the really cool thing that i saw i don't know if you noticed this but on twitter when we announced the voting all of the, you know, sometimes we have more interaction with the, the authors than other times. And for this particular one, all of the authors were, like, asking their fans to go vote for them. But then they were also, like, retweeting each other's 
requests and like talking about how excited they were for all the other books that were on the list, which is really That's cool. That's YA author Twitter for you right there now. Yeah. Oh God. Why? YA author Twitter. It's just the best. That's it. That that is right there. All yeah. you need to know about YA author Twitter. Yeah. A lot of Twitter is just a hellhole, but YA author Twitter is one of the good spots. Yep. Oh, by the way, if you guys want to have a, a a wonder another wonderful place to talk about books, you can join our Viber community. So go to professionalbooknerds.com and join our reading community. All right. Um, and you can find us at ProBookNerds on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, that's all that stuff. Um, tell everyone what we're doing today. So as our longtime listeners know, every month we um, pick some of our uh, favorite or the books like that we're looking forward to that are coming out in the next month. In this case, it's already August. So we're talking August books. Um, we go back and forth. We don't – generally speaking, we don't share. There was one title that – we talked about it in advance because I think we were both afraid that the other person would put it on it. We don't want to miss it. So, <laughs> Yeah. we. Can, I mean, we'll start with that one. But yeah. just out of um, curiosity, how many do you have? I have 10, I think. I have 11, but the one is... There you go. So. Yeah, because I didn't put it on mine. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we just go back and forth. These are books that are coming out in August. Um, they will be in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about writing them down right now. Um, and is there anything else I forgot? I think that's everything. Okay. Um, as someone who, again, as longtime listeners know, I will often, while recording this, put things on hold. <laughs> it's a real power move. So don't, you know, again, they're in the show notes. Put them on hold if you, library has them. If they don't, see if you can recommend it because you want to read it. Yeah, I will be honest with you. While I, I do that too. Yeah, while I do, I don't even wait for us to do this. While I'm doing my searching for the books through our like marketplace and our backend stuff that lets uh, Jill and I see everything in advance. Um, if I I will see a book that I'm obsessed with, and then what I'll do because I know that we have a lot of listeners at this point, and I also know we have a lot of listeners who use our library, and I want to be the first one on hold for stuff. I'll see a book that I'm really excited about. I will go to Cuyahoga County or Clevenet or one of the other libraries that I have a card for. And if they don't have it, I will literally request it so I'm first on that list. So that's just a reminder that I know, Jill, I believe you gave out on your Tips and Tricks episode. If you're the person who requests a title from your library and they purchase it, you are the first person on the holds list. So the day that it becomes available, it's it's yours. You get it first. Well, if you're the first person to recommend it. If you're yeah. The f- yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, because there may be multiple people who recommended it, but – you will be, yes, you will get to the top before anybody else yeah. gets to it. Chapin, for me, this week with the R.L. Stein anthology of uh, short, horror short stories, Scream and Scream Again, I'm very much enjoying at the moment. Okay, so let's get into it. The first one that we both knew we were, one of us was going to talk about and we didn't want to forget, so I asked Jill just to make sure, is Vox by Christina Dalker. And we both have spoke with Christina now at this point. Uh, I chatted with her for the podcast that will be out later this month, and you spoke with her about our Perspectives on Reading magazine that we do, right? Correct. Yeah. So Overdrive has a quarterly magazine that comes out. If you want to, if you haven't checked it out yet, PerspectivesOnReading.com. It's really cool. Lots of industry news and all sorts of stuff. Um, Christina is a she has a doctorate a doctorate in linguistics, and her book Vox is being compared to The Handmaid's Tale. So she had a lot of things that we wanted to let her speak about both on the podcast and for 
our magazine, which will come out in October, I think. Um, but yeah, this title is all about it's a dystopian near future when the government has decided that women are only allowed to speak 100 words a day. And they have these like uh, bracelets that give them like these really painful shocks if they go above that 100 words. So it's not only the fact that women can't speak their minds and share their opinions and their let their voice be heard but it's also like if they're raising children these children are growing up in silence because their parents can't speak to them their mothers can't speak to them so like what the implications are yeah my conversation with her was actually um a lot about language and linguistics and how that sort of plays into this idea of like being very careful with your words and also you know there have been studies done about children who are raised in environments where they're not spoken to. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a lot of, of my conversation with her. So, yeah, this is getting a lot of, of big buzz. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. It's really well written. Um, I love dystopian literature, too. So Yeah, this was so when they pitched me to interview her at uh, Book Expo America, I just started laughing because as much as I enjoyed speaking with her and interviewing her, this was like the most Jill book ever. Like if this was going to be an over the phone interview, this probably would have been one of those ones. Where it was like you take it yeah. by yourself. You're good on this. But she was uh, she was awesome. Sometimes you have to like coax people to talk. Um, the irony being that she spoke at length with me, which was great. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's Vox by Christina Dalker. Um, my first one is Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. I'm not going to go too in-depth on this because I actually talked about it um, on our Sharp Objects Read-Alikes list um, episode that came out a couple weeks ago. So this is about... um, Oh, no, I didn't. Emma did. That's right. I hadn't read it yet when we recorded that, (laughs) but I have since then. (laughs) Wow, that was like two days ago at time of recording. Get it, No, we recorded that one last week. Okay, so um, Pieces of Her is about... um, a girl, Andy, who um, is her mom. There's an incident at the beginning of the book, um, like most of Karen Slaughter's. And Andy is sort of on the run with instructions from her mom about where to go and people to find. And along the way, um, Andy is discovering some things about her mother that she didn't know about that make her question everything she knows about her life and all that stuff um it's really good i love karen slaughter's books i also love that karen slaughter's last name is slaughter and she writes suspense books and as we talked about in the sharp objects episode she writes really kind of gritty suspense and thriller books um so this is yeah i really enjoy this one um and so that's pieces of her by karen slaughter um, my next one is, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. It's The Fall of Gondolin. It's by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, yeah, that Tolkien. Uh, not a not a misspeak. So this was discovered not too long ago, and um, his son, Christopher Tolkien, decided to share it with the world. And it's basically, it's it's a story told in Middle Earth. Like, I, would, I will read anything Tolkien. But this one is, um, it's, describes in the linear notes by J.R.R. Tolkien like this this was the first real story he ever created in Middle Earth. So te- before the Hobbit, before Lord of the Rings, before all of that, this was the story that kind of created the Earth, the Middle Earth universe in his mind. So 
you can find it and you can look what it's all about. Um, but honestly, I would. This is one of those books I wouldn't even need a description for. So, uh, Fall of Gondolin. It's the the new, and I would have to imagine last J.R.L. Tolkien book we were ever we will ever get. So, very excited. My next one is the masterpiece by Fiona Davis. Again, I'm not going to go too into this because it's been mentioned before. But also, because... she will be on the podcast again in a couple of weeks. I was getting to that. I was making sure. I was making sure. <laughs> Um, so like all of Fiona Davis's, this is a New York historical fiction where part of it is set um, in a sort of more contemporary time and then part of it is set way back in the past as historical fiction. This takes place at Grand Central and it's about an art school that was there back in the 1920s. She's so damn cool. She is. I know. Just in general. Um, I'm excited for that too. And to talk with Fiona again. Uh, my next one is French Exit by Patrick DeWitt. Did you see anything about this? I um, I did not put it on, but I did see it. It sounds so fun. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, there is a a woman named uh, if it's pr- spelled Francis, but it's a female. Is it still Francis or is it is it pronounced differently? I think it's still Francis. Okay, that's what I thought. I was just making sure. Um, Francis Price is a tart widow. And a possessive mother and Upper East Side force of nature. So her husband passed away and she has this adult son, Malcolm, who is in a permanent state of like arrested development. Um, But after her husband passes away, she has a cat named Small Frank. And she believes it possesses the spirit of her late husband, who is this horribly immoral litigator and world class cad whose gruesome tabloid death rendered francis and malcolm social outcasts so the three of them end up going to paris where they all kind of it's like one of their favorite places to be and it sounds like it's sort of like a coming of age tragedy almost um but just the idea of the cat having the spirit of this horrible lawyer slash husband it's just it sounds really, really interesting. So I'm very excited to read it. So that's French Exit by Patrick DeWitt. Okay, so a couple months ago, I thought there were books coming out that month that weren't. And I like got so excited when we recorded. And then I had to realize, oh, wait, I read the date wrong. So they are actually coming out this month in August. It is the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark trilogy in ebook I'm with so... the original illustrations. Have you put this on hold yet at CCPL? Um, actually, I don't think I have. Hey, talk about it while I do. So, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, man. These books, I grew up reading these books. They it freaked me out so much. I'm still, to this day, terrified of spiders because of <laughs> Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, and they, again, the original illustrations, which is a big deal because a couple years ago, um, there were new illustrations made that were uh, a little bland. They were terrible. Okay, they were terrible. Because <laughs> part of the fun of reading these books was the the really creepy illustrations. So, um, scary stories to tell in the dark are an ebook form now, and Overdrive's going to have them for a new generation of readers. Hey, CCPL, because I know you guys listen and you're a favorite people. I'm gonna call you out. You only have one copy of these right now. Come on. Adam and Jill Maybe they're waiting to see what demand is going to be like. <laughs> there, there's demand on it right now. I'll just say that. Oh, I'm so excited. Sorry, Kai Hoga. I love you guys. Um, 
what a perfect time for those to come out. My next one is Frostblood, or sorry, Nightblood, which is the third book in the Frostblood saga. So this is my favorite fantasy YA books I've read all year. I have two YA books on here, and this is one of the two. Um, I talk, I discussed both of them earlier in the year. Uh, the Frostblood series is all about there are these people in in the world that have the ability to control fire, and then there's the other people who have the ability to control uh, ice, and they are at war with each other, and you learn in the first couple books very early on that there's actually like powers even beyond them, like these basically demigods that are playing with people, like toying with them and trying to set up a certain situation. And it's just, it's so phenomenal. It, it is, it might be like my, it's my favorite fantasy series I think I've read in like years and years and years. And so I devoured the first two and didn't realize that Nightblood wasn't coming out until August. So um, it's by Ellie Blake and it's wonderful. So wonderful. And yeah, um, comes out this month. So if you are a fan of fantasy at all, I highly recommend it. Uh, my next one is called Our House by Louise Candlish. So this is about a woman named Fiona, and she and her estranged husband, Bram, have a sort of modern co-parenting arrangement where the children stay at the house, and then she and Bram switch off on who stays there. So, like, the children's home life is stable, and then the parents kind of switch on and off about who um, is watching them uh, every night. But then she comes home one day, and there are strangers moving into her house, and her husband and children are gone. And things start to get a little weird as secrets are uncovered. Wow. And um, her she discovers lies her husband had been telling. And, yeah, sounds – I love me some domestic thrillers. Yeah. Um, next one, also not going to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, much in the same vein as – Marie Lu's origin story for DC and Lee Bardugo's origin story for, uh, for Wonder Woman. Uh, Sarah J. Moss has wrote a YA origin story for Catwoman. It's called Soul Stealer, and I'm so excited for it. But again, don't need to really dive into anything here. It's Selena Kyle. It's written by Sarah J. Moss. It's going to be incredible. So I figured you would have that on your list. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very excited. To be fair, I... I heard about this before even tracking it because my wife is a huge Sarah J Maas fan so she's like do you know what's coming out this month <laughs> uh, um, my next one is Rust and Stardust by T Greenwood um, this is one where Adam's like do you have this on your list I, I was making sure yeah <laughs> so this is um, the true story that uh, inspired Nabokov's Lolita which I've talked about before is um one of my favorite books, which is always very odd to say, but <laughs> um, this is about the original sort of crime that um, inspired Nabokov. It's about 11-year-old Sally Horner, who was being watched by a 52-year-old man who had just been um, released from prison, and he ends up basically kind of kidnapping her and then um, mentally and physically assaulting her for two years while they traveled across the country. And so this is T. Greenwood um, writing that story from Sally's perspective and kind of giving voice to that victim. Um, and, yeah. 
Yeah, this is a very Jill book. It is a very Jill book. Again, it's always weird to be like, I love Lolita. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah, I, the... The writing is phenomenal. The story is problematic. but The story is problematic. <laughs> so I'm glad then, you know, like that's part of the thing with Lolita. Like you only get Humbert's, um, you only get his perspective of the actions. And of course, he's a very unreliable and biased narrator. So um, I'm excited, you know, in a way to sort of see what T. Greenwood does with telling the the real girls mm-hmm. sort of story. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Whiskey When We're Dry by John Larison. This is a Western, and it kind of reminds me of True Grit, but without Rooster Cogburn. <laughs> so it's the story. It's 1885, and 17-year-old Jessalyn Harney finds herself orphaned and alone on her family's homestead. Um, she is trying to fend off starvation and all the people that are coming to kind of attack her just because, you know, she's a young woman on a homestead by herself. So she cuts all of her hair uh, and saddles up her beloved horse and heads off into the mountains to try and find her outlaw brother, Noah, and bring him home. Uh, So it's basically a a western where it's traveling across um, the west to try and find her her brother. And it it sounds really, really good. Uh, I'm very excited to read it. I'm a big western fan, so this should be really good. That's Whiskey When We're Dry by John Larrison. I have Captive by Catherine Oxenberg. So um, this is about um, Catherine and her daughter uh, at a leadership seminar for a new organization. I'm actually not sure if you're supposed to pronounce this, but it's NXIVM. NXIVM. I don't know if that's a way to pronounce that. Anyway, so um, her, her daughter was 20 and was on the threshold of building a new company and they both thought this program might help her achieve this dream but quickly Catherine saw a sinister side to what appeared to be a self-help organization designed to help its clients become the best versions of themselves um and what happens is it's her daughter kind of gets like way in deep and is soon brainwashed and it's sort of more like a cult And again, this is like this is a memoir. I should actually state that from the beginning, which I don't think I did. So um, this is Catherine trying to kind of get her daughter, rescue her from this cult, essentially, and get her out. When you said it's a memoir, I got actual goosebumps. Yeah. Should have prefaced that at the very beginning. It's a memoir. It's a true story um, of her trying to, yeah, get her get her daughter out. So that's Captive by Catherine Oxenberg. I know you didn't do it on purpose, but I actually kind of like the idea of telling people that things are memoirs that are crazy like this at the end. Being like, so here's the story of this insane, this insane story of this young girl who grew up in complete isolation and she had terrible parents. You know, like the, yeah. I can't remember, yep. and being like, or the girl in the glass house, whatever that mm-hmm. was called. I like the idea of like describing a really creepy story and then being like, also, by the way, it's a memoir. <laughs> Start doing that from now <laughs> on. mic drop. Um, my next one is called Flights by Olga Tokarczyk and Jennifer Croft. Sorry if I got the name wrong there. This was long listed for the Man Booker International Prize. It is a series of European magical realism short stories. So a few of the examples are 17th century Dutch anatomist discovers the Achilles tendon by dissecting his own amputated leg. Uh, Chopin's heart is carried back to Warsaw in secret by his adoring sister. 
Uh, a woman must return to her native Poland in order to poison her terminally ill high school sweetheart um, and a, a whole bunch of other examples. It, I'm really into short stories lately, and these sound really, really good. I'm, and I feel like not enough magical realism comes out that gets buzz. So this one, I'm excited that it's getting some attention. So that's Flights by Olga Tokarczyk and Jennifer Croft. I have Dope Sick by Beth Macy. Saw this. So <laughs> this is um, Beth, um, I believe she's a journalist, and she is basically sort of telling, tracing the story of America's opioid epidemic. Um, she sort of goes back to 1996 when OxyContin was first introduced and how America embraced medical culture with overtreatment and painkillers and how, um, you know, o- opioid addiction really does not have any... Um, like, everyone is affected, yeah. right, um, from small communities in central Appalachia to wealthy suburbs, you know, big cities, small towns. Um, and so she just sort of goes in and, and looks at how we've gotten to where we are. Um, just as a quick follow-up on that, if you are interested in learning more about the opioid crisis or how you can help, there's a really phenomenal foundation called Shatterproof, and they put on... Uh, 5Ks all across the country, and they do all sorts of really great charity work and stuff. So um, I believe if you search for shatterproof.org or .com, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, they're wonderful. They're phenomenal. I know that some of the people that work at Shatterproof are actually here in Cleveland, and we um, we took part in one of their events here. So just as an aside. Uh, my next one is Sold on a Monday by Christina McMorris. I got a copy of this, actually, from our friends at, I believe, Sourcebooks. Um, make sure before I... Yeah, it's a source books book. Uh, so this is inspired by a real story that happened. This journalist is uh, going in the countryside and sees a sign that says two children for sale and takes a picture of it and wasn't really intending for it to be publicized, but it gets ends up getting a ton of attention and it leads to her big break. I'm um, sorry, his big break. And the consequences are, are, are horrible all around for him, for the children, for all those things. So uh, he's really haunted by this, and him and his secretary go and try to like put the pieces back together and reunite this family and this whole thing. And just um, the fact that it, it's inspired by a, a real story of a journalist seeing a sign that said two children for sale kind of sounds like it's quite emotional, but I'm very, very interested in reading this story. What's it called again? Uh, Sold on a Monday by sorry uh sold on a monday by christina mcmorris i have our stories our voices 21 ya authors get real about injustice empowerment and growing up female in america i feel like i don't need to say much about it i think you're probably good there yeah so it's a collection of (laughs) no but um it's a collection of essays from 21 um major young adult authors um I don't even want to go over the list because I'll forget people. And But there's some really, really good ones on here. So remind everyone the name of that one. That is Our Stories, Our Voices, 21 YA Authors, Get Real About Injustice, Empowerment, and Growing Up Female in America. That sounds so good. Um, there is a, another book kind of like that, and I don't know when it came out, but I was sent a copy of it by Random House. It's called Fresh Ink, and it's kind of the same thing. It's a bunch of coming-of-age short stories by um, diverse authors. It's actually, it was 
put together by one of the founders of We Need Diverse Books. So there are some really, really good YA short story collections and essay collections coming out now. Might not be a bad episode to do. It's actually <laughs> all right then. Look, that's yes. actually a really good episode. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Relic by Alan Dean Foster. This one takes a little bit more description than what you just had. Uh, so the last known human in the galaxy is trying to find people that might be out there. So there is this man named Ruslan who is the last known surviving human in the universe. And he's rescued uh, on his home planet of Masari by an intelligent alien race who ends up kind of like making him a research subject and a zoo attraction. And he just wants to die. He's like, I, this is, I'm the last human. We had a good run. Let me die. And they're like, no, we want to save your race. This is kind of what they do. And they're like, listen, if you let us, if you help us save your race of species, we will track down your long lost home of earth. So it's this guy who's somewhere out in the galaxy working with these intelligent aliens to try and find Earth and basically reignite um, our our planet and our species. So it sounds super interesting. I'm very excited about it. It's Relic by Alan Dean Foster. I have Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Coram. So this is a YA book um, about... A- kid named Darius who is half Persian on his mom's side um, he's described as speaking he speaks better Klingon than Farsi and he knows more about Hobbit social cues than Persian ones <laughs> um, and he's going to Iran for the first time and he is he's concerned because he doesn't really fit in at home and he doesn't think he's going to fit in in Iran either um, and his clinical depression doesn't help matters and he has to sort of try to explain the medication to his grandparents and that's like a whole thing then he meets the boy next door and everything changes soon they're spending their days together playing soccer talking for hours on a secret rooftop overlooking the city skyline and um darius has never felt more like himself than he does now so i think this sounds there's just like so much here that yeah i can't wait to read so that's darius the great is not okay yeah um Listen, guys, I've put it off for seven months. I'm not going to put it off anymore. We're in, a, we're in August now, so that means Adam's going to hit you with three months full of uh, horror stories. So uh, the first one that I'm going to offer, I only have two this month, but it will increase in September and October, rest assured. Uh, the Sacrifice Box by Martin Stewart. This is a YA horror, but it doesn't really sound super YA. But it's described as Gremlins meets The Breakfast Club meets Stranger Things. In the summer of 1982, five friends discover an ancient stone box hidden deep in the woods. They seal inside of it treasured objects from their childhood, and they make a vow. Never come to the box alone, never open it after dark, and never take back your sacrifice. Four years later, a series of strange and terrifying events begin to unfold, with like mirrors inexplicably shattering and inanimate things coming to life. Um, and they're trying to figure out what happened because clearly someone broke the rules, and now they have to figure out who did it and what it means and how they can fix it. It's the sacrifice box. This is not at all related, but were you part of our Gremlins conversation last week or the week before about the rules of the Gremlins? Um, No, but I have thoughts on the rules of the Gremlins. So here's my question about the rules of the Gremlins, right? So you're not supposed to feed them after midnight. It's always after midnight. Thank you! When does midnight end? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
Hey, writers of the Gremlins, the John Hughes movie. I don't know. Writers of the Gremlins from now almost 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, just say, like, don't feed them between 12 and 5 a.m. That's what we were trying to decide. Like, is there a cutoff? Is there a time when the clock resets? It's always after midnight. It's always after midnight. Thank you. This is why we host the podcast. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't a part of that conversation, but that is the exact thing that okay. everyone should think about. <laughs> um, so my last book is called, pra- is called Praise Song for the Butterflies by Bernice L. McFadden. Um, Abio lives a comfortable, happy life in West Africa as a privileged nine-year-old daughter of a government employee and stay-at-home mom. But when their idyllic lifestyle takes a turn for the worse, Abio's father, following his mother's advice, places the girl in a religious shrine, hoping that the sacrifice of his daughter will serve as atonement for the crimes of his ancestors. Unspeakable acts befall Bio for the 15 years she is held in the shrine. When she is finally rescued, broken, and battered, she must struggle to overcome her past, endure the revelation of family secrets, and learn to trust and love again. Sounds really good. Sounds really good. Okay, listen. My last one, I want to tell you, I specifically kept this last because I was certain you were going to have it. I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm not going to lie. Yeah calling you out it's called toil and trouble 15 tales of women you know in witchcraft what? i thought about it and then didn't <laughs> it's fi- it's 15 short stories about witches from a diverse collection of feminist authors like this felt like you were gonna absolutely talk about this so um it dives into the wide-ranging mythology of witchcraft from many cultures and feminist points of view to create modern and unique ideas of witchery that haven't yet been explored. So there's good witch stories, there's bad witch stories, and this collection reveals a universal truth. There's nothing more powerful than a teenage girl who believes in herself. I specifically kept Sorry. this last. I thought you would talk about it, and I was I didn't want to steal your thunder. It's by Jessica Spotswood and Tess Sharp, and I'm... Oh. I don't remember why I didn't put it on my list. Wow. It's okay. I've learned, I've sent this to several people already. Um, I'm so excited about this. Actually, in real time, I'm going to see who it's from. Okay. I'm trying to track down the publisher. Got it. Um, so those are all our books for August. A lot of really good ones in there. It's a lot of good ones. Fair amount of short stories. I feel like we both had a couple short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, are there other things you think people should know about? No. Yeah, me either. I feel like <laughs> we've been talking for a long time today. We might not have been. Oh but... uh, no, we actually have been. This oh. might be one of our longer um, okay. monthly book episodes. All right. Well, listen, we gave you twenty book recommend twenty one book recommendations. So you gotta be able to find something in there. Um, if there's something that you're excited about that you that we didn't talk about, definitely find us on Twitter, on Instagram, join our Viber community at professionalbooknerds.com and let us know what you're interested in. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, 
And this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.